Welcome back once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. It's time now for our monthly preview show. So we've been catching up in the last few weeks, trying to you know bring ourselves up to date with our review show. But you know we need to know what titles to look forward to, what's coming out in the comics world. So hence the monthly previews uh, podcast, where we can let you guys know all the good stuff coming out. So as ever, your host this evening is Alan, the owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes in uh, Belfast. I'm joined by Mr. Marvel himself, Mr. Keith Miller. Good evening, sir. Doing all right. I can't complain. Uh, fairly tired. Um, sort of uh, the the middle of uh, sort of trying to move houses. I know you are. Uh, and I guess if we hear any clattering in the background, that is Vicky diligently shifting stuff around your front room. Yeah, um, she can't help herself. When she gets started, she gets a little idea in her head. She just keeps going with it. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I turned around and the sofas are gone and everything. <laughs> yeah, it's looking pretty empty over there. But yeah, uh, yeah we're in we're in much the same boat. Uh, just waiting for some cleaning and stuff to be done in the new house before we, we start shifting stuff. Um, uh, my new karate class, which I'm teaching, started last night. So uh, uh, that was pretty pretty groovy, but uh, left, me, left me pretty tired. Uh, today i have to say it's you know after like a year and a half two years of relative inactivity through lockdown suddenly you get back to it and uh you forget you're two years older and uh and two years tireder uh, yeah so, but we're yeah. gonna re-energize you know by all the excitement of upcoming titles and and all the rest plus you get to do it sitting down so if that doesn't excite you i don't know what does <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah we're gonna be looking at the october previews book so as ever, when it comes to the previews books, these books are always available in store. If you guys are popping in, they're always sitting over in the corner. We've we've coordinated between ourselves all our main picks. They're all on the board, the chalkboard in the store as well. Uh, there's a little YouTube video you can check out where I go through it, not in a lot of detail, but just sort of pick out the key points. But we always like to go into it in a bit more detail, hence the podcast. So again, these are October uh, previews books, and these will are due for release mostly in December, though there are a few titles here have early solicitation dates for January and beyond, but we're going to be looking at the three books individually. So as ever, we have the DC book, we have the Marvel book, and then we have the previews uh, catalog, which essentially covers all of your indie stuff. So, you know, I'll, just as a little bit of a breakdown, you know, in terms of DC, you know, this this is an exciting month, certainly for me as a Batman fan. You know, it's it's a brand new era for Batman kicking off here. James Tinian will be, you know, vacating the flagship title after Fear State and is going to be replaced by a creative team that A, I guessed, and B, I'm therefore very happy about. Uh, so for those who are going to be wanting a jumping on point for Batman, this is for you. Uh, we have a new Black Label series uh, launching, one of which, even though it's silly size, may even tempt Keith into adding it to his pool. Ooh. It might just. Uh, we've got a female-led new Bat title that is sure to prove popular, as well as a new Superman title that will focus not on Supes himself, but where he came from. Plenty of continuations for big marquee titles, you know, number twos, number threes. Well, these titles actually launch in November, so there's still time to sign up for those. We'll, we'll give you a little hint of what those are. Uh, some big titles are getting the absolute treatment, so you know I'll be all over that. Uh, and there's also a couple of cool looking compendiums. So, yeah, plenty of ongoings as well as a few miniseries coming to an end. So, rounds out a, a strong month for DC. So, how about that Marvel book? Well, December is a five-week month, and we get a load of stuff going on all across the Marvel Universe, including the beginning of some things that we've been anticipating since announcements earlier on this year, um, such as Daredevil's Devil's Reign uh, by Chip, uh, the Avengers Forever ongoing, and the Timeless one-shot, which I suspect may lead into Dan Slott's long-teased Reckoning War. Intriguing. Uh, there's lots going, yes, quite. Um 
There's lots going on in the Spider books. Um, these five weeks include five full-length issues of Amazing Spider-Man, and that'll be us settling into the weekly Spider-Man Beyond era, as well as the tie-in issue for Miles Morales' Spider-Man. Um, those issues are going to feature the Beyond era Spidey Ben Riley, a personal favourite of mine, clashing with Miles over the Beyond Corporation's trademark of the Spider-Man name while Peter Parker recovers from mysterious injuries in hospital. There's plenty going on over in the X-Books as well, with Hickman's premature exit from the Krakoan era that he masterminded with the finish of the Inferno miniseries, and the mutants also enter into the field of nationalised hero, given Captain America a wee bit of competition. Uh, they're about to get their own patriotic defender, appropriately named Captain Krakoa, mysterious hero who has yet to be identified, but uh, their identity will lead to some tension between the new captain and the rest of the X-Men. So there's lots going on across all the lines. Uh, we'll talk about most of it in a minute or two, but if you're a fan of uh, the old man Logan world, you remember that? Uh, well, then you're in for a treat with a series of one-shots from various creators set in that timeline hitting in December too. And there's lots going on in the back of the book, you know, with the, the omnibus editions and uh, the trade paperbacks and such. So, uh, yeah, plenty of cool stuff. Yeah, it's always the back of the Marvel books that get me every time as I extend my Marvel Compendium and Omnibus collection. But yeah, the you just mentioned there about something re related to the Old Man Logan world. That was the, the, the titles that got Vicky the most excited this month. She was very intrigued, so we'll certainly go get into that. When it comes to the indie books, there's there's not an awful lot to say. I mean, there's always plenty in the books. Some, some months there's more than others, but this month actually, believe it or not, is a slightly quieter month, but... You know, we say a slightly quieter month. I think we've still picked out about 25 titles, but uh, <laughs> there's still plenty of good stuff there. And But again, there's a lot of ongoings and stuff that, you know, have begun either in October, November, that kind of thing. So plenty of quality continuing. But just in terms of those new series, it's maybe a little bit quieter than normal. But again, that might just be because of both our excitements for our respective DC and Marvel books this month. Which Or, or do you think maybe, you know, December's the end of the year? Are they holding off to the start of... Uh start of the new year to, to to launch some new new books on the indie front maybe is there a pattern there there's a possibility with that but what i would say and we'll certainly get to it when we get into the indie book is that there's a lot of um trade paperbacks and graphic novels that look really cool and again you know, I, I hate to throw it out there, Keith, on the 20th of September, but, you know, it's the gift-giving season uh, in December. So maybe trades are the way to go in December rather than single issues because, you know, you obviously get parents looking presents for kids and, you know, or kids looking presents for parents. Maybe the kids are, are uh, indulging the parents when it comes to the comic world. So, but yeah, there's still plenty of good stuff there, but there are some really cool graphic novels that we'll certainly point out along the way there as well. So... But we'll kick things off, uh, as we always do, with that DC book. And, you know, front and centre, front page, of course, it's Batman 118. And, and again, I, I bring this up because, A, it's a brand new starting point for people. Tinian's leaving at the end of 117. It, it was a fairly abrupt exit, I thought. You know, we, we always thought maybe Tinian was in for maybe a longer run than he was. But I know he's experimenting with this whole Substacks uh, subscription service kind of thing. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out. But when it was announced that he was leaving, there was... There was one name jumped straight to the top of the list for me who had never done Batman before but is doing brilliant work on Bat-related titles at the moment and that is none other than Joshua Williamson who is, you know, making that full step up to the full Batman title and will be joined by artist Jorge Molina. Uh, so you're going to have 118. It's going to kick off with a four-issue story arc and what's really interesting about this as well is obviously in the era of Infinite Frontier, everything matters, everything happened, the past 
is all relevant and that is definitely a very batman incorporated looking suit in the front for those who don't know batman incorporated was the brainchild of grant morrison and it was essentially bruce coming out and saying i'm not batman but i've been funding his war on terror for years um yeah i've been you know basically the money man behind it i know they did something with spider-man years later didn't they with parker industries or yeah something they like that? did yeah um similar sort of, sort of thing pete suddenly became like a millionaire or something yeah yeah he was he effectively you know uh, took the, the technology that he had the brains to create you know the the various bits and pieces and and uh created a created a company from it mm-hmm. um that came out of horizon labs so yeah it was it was interesting short-lived thankfully Well, the way it worked with Batman Inc. was basically because Bruce had been away for a couple of years after the events of Final Crisis and Dick Grayson had more than ably stepped into the mantle of the Bat and therefore proved to Bruce that someone else could be Batman and could, you know, protect Gotham and so forth. So, but this is the first time I've seen it since then. I mean, that ended, geez, 2015, maybe there, thereabouts. It was one of the, the few titles that actually made it into the new 52, but to give you the blurb on this, it's new creative team, start of a new story arc as Batman leaves Gotham. Abyss Part 1, as Gotham celebrates surviving fear state, jeez, spoilers or what, uh, Batman <laughs> retreats alone into the darkness. But when he learns of a mystery involving Batman Incorporated, it forces the Cape Crusader to leave Gotham for a brand new adventure. Thrills, chills, and international intrigue await. So, again, it shows straight away Williamson's knowledge of the Bat lineage. Uh, he's been proving that brilliantly at the moment. As I say, he's been working on Robin's or sorry, on Robin, the um, Damian Wayne-centric title, which we've showcased an awful lot, certainly in the pod and, and enjoying stores. So this is one definitely I cannot wait for. Uh, I'm really enjoying Tinian's run. That's nothing against Tinian. It's just I'm a big fan of Joshua Williamson as a writer. So I think there's going to be a few people maybe maybe jumping onto this here. Yeah, I mean, for sure, Joshua Williamson, as we, we know, is the architect of the, the Infinite Frontier, the current... Uh... I guess, reign holder of the DC universe. And uh, it'll be interesting to see Batman being taken out of Gotham. We're seeing that currently in Batman the Detective by mm-hmm. Tom Taylor. Uh, so these globetrotting adventures are are, are are pretty interesting. And they, you know, the, the, the intrigue, I believe it's starting with a four-part story. Yeah, four parts. Called Abyss, um, a new villain who turns darkness against Batman, which is, you know, interesting. The Dark Knight Detective fighting the dark. Um, so yeah, that that could be that could be really interesting. And uh, Jorge Molina, of course, a, a Marvel artist artist up until now, uh, best known for what Spider Gaiden, maybe. It's nice to see that you know again we're we're fans of the entire industry. So the thing is, I I love seeing artists and writers jump from one to the other. I mean, we've seen it recently with the likes of you know. Chip Zdarsky and Matthew Rosenberg maybe doing DC stuff, but we've seen Patrick Gleason go across to Marvel. It, you know, it's great to see them going both mm. ways. I think and seeing those different interpretations rather than just the same artists all the time or same writers all the time. So, hundred yeah, percent. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, Batman's already a big pull in our store, and and we saw an uptake of it when Tinian took over because that was a new jumping on point. I think we'll see another uptake of it again here with one eighteen. So. Uh, the next one, just to go on to, is uh, another Bat-centric title, but instead it's not focusing on Batman, or Robin, or Nightwing, or Jason Todd. It's actually focusing on Batgirls, and this is going to be a brand new ongoing, and I have to say, we already have about 12 or 13 pre-orders for this, and the book only just dropped. A lot of people are excited for this. It's written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad. Straight away it has my attention, because Jorge Corona is doing art for it, uh, art and cover, so... Of course, Jorge Corona, we spotlighted him recently through 
uh, the Robin issue that he did, issue four, we spotlighted through Me You Love in the Dark, and of course Middle West we talk about a lot. So for this one, it's going to be an ongoing. Uh, it's a pretty long solicitation, but you know, stick with me here. Uh, so what we've got here is, um, hello, you didn't actually think we'd keep you waiting this entire year without giving you the Batgirl series we've all been waiting for. Uh, no way, we love you too much. Just like Batgirls, Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown, not who are only able to navigate the dark, gritty and oftentimes scary city of Gotham by leaning on the bright light that is their best friendship. Mentored by Oracle, the Batgirls move to the other side of town where Barbara Gordon can keep a better eye on them while the hacker seer is still invading their lives. Steph may be too rash sometimes and Cass doesn't speak much, but what they lack in similarities they make up for with mutual respect and love for each other and what makes them stronger together as Batgirls. And they may be good at kicking ass, but they are just trying their best to be normal teenagers as well who'll borrow the keys to a muscle car that belonged to a bad guy and perhaps give it a joyride around town without a driver's license, then race to get back home to Oracle by curfew. Splashing the pages with bright colours against the dark backdrop of Gotham, Batgirls is the pizza slumber party of the year you don't want to miss. So, yeah, I mean, I'm on board with that just because of the characters involved, but also, again, that Jorge Corona art is definitely going to do it for me. There's some beautiful preview art here you know showing oracle's clock tower showing exploding buildings you know always looks cool when heroes jump away from explosions but the (laughs) the preview art there looks great for that and again it's proven popular in store already uh with with multiple pre-orders so i don't know if that'll be your kind of thing or not or um uh that's a (laughs) no you know the the thing that's drawn me there as you say is as jorge corona's art uh it's uh it's hard be, to it would be yeah it would be interesting to see it in that in that format and that story but uh something else jumped out at me there is the uh the start of shadows of the bat in detective comics number uh 1047 um so sh- the shadows of the bat storyline begins a weekly storyline for detective comics uh we've got uh, mariko tamagi ivan reyes and danny miki uh on this and uh the Tower Begins. It's a 12-part weekly Detective Comics event uh, starting here. Arkham Asylum has fallen and in its place Arkham Tower has risen in the heart of the city. A pitch made by the mysterious Dr. Weir. Uh, unlike the Asylum, Dr. Weir promises his methods and drug treatments will heal Gotham's criminally unkind for good. A claim that uh, skeptics like Deb Donovan and the Bat family don't believe. There's something wrong with the Tower with Dr. Weir's methods. And with Batman away from Gotham City, the rest of the Bat family is going to find out what but not before everything explodes. Um, and there's a backup story called House of Gotham, uh, which looks really interesting. For a long time, two houses have overlooked Gotham City, uh, beckoning its broken Wayne Manor and Arkham Asylum. In this epic 12-part backup story, writer Matthew Rosenberg and artist Fernando Blanco will explore the impact that Batman and Arkham Asylum have had on the city through the eyes of a boy whose life was changed forever by the Joker one dreadful night early in the Dark Knight's career. It's certainly been a while since we've had a, a weekly storyline. That must kick off late December then, if it's uh, if it's being solicited as weekly, but there's only two issues solicited here. So, yeah, mm. I would say that is... Uh, it actually is going to kick off in January, by the look of it, uh, 4th of January. Oh, right. Uh, issue one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe they're just preparing people for that weekly format. Some people love it, some people don't. Some people find it that maybe it's it's a bit too i suppose there's the there's the expense of it first of all but also maybe just a bit too you know continuous say they don't get in the store for a couple of weeks and then suddenly the issues are piling up so some people Mm. find it a little bit daunting whereas some people 
you know, I loved Skybound X, for example. Weekly, you know, kept hitting you, you know, but it was only five issues. Um, I don't know. Do you think they're going up against... I, I have a sneaky theory here of, of an old Marvel-DC rivalry going on. Oh, I think you're right. I think they're probably going up against Spider-Man Beyond. I think um, so. And it, I think yeah. part of that is because Spider-Man is obviously Marvel's longest running in terms of issue numbers. So it's reaching mm. 850 this week with Legacy. And if they started going weekly, I think they were going after Detective num- Detective Comics numbering. Because both companies, let's be honest, they're competitive. They're petty. A bit of both. Uh, yeah. So I do wonder if this was like a response to, oh, they're going to do weekly with their star character. Well, we'll do weekly with ours then. So. And, you know, maybe more than that, it's not the star character per se. You know, we have Batman. We have Bruce Wayne away from Gotham. We have uh, Peter Parker in, in hospital recovering mm. from wounds. And, you know, there are other characters stepping up. It's um, all sounding so, so familiar, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it really is, you know. Um, absolutely. Once uh, you start looking into it. But yeah, I mean, it's good to see Mariko Tamaki continuing because I've been really enjoying her work on uh, Detective so far. Uh, hopefully with it being weekly, it's something they've been working on for a while and it'll still be Ivan Rice and Danny Miki the whole way through because there's nothing worse than a weekly series where the art changes as well because I think you notice it far more if it's weekly as well as you do if it's uh, month to month. So... But yeah, that'll be a Detective Comics uh, event kicking off uh, come January. Moving along the book now, you've got a couple of series I just thought was worth spotlighting again. Neither have started yet. Uh, by December, one of them will be an issue two, one's on issue three, but they're definitely two of the big titles I'm looking forward to. One is Catwoman Lonely City, which is number two, which is all about, which is a black label series by Cliff Chiang, and it's all about Catwoman going to jail, but when she gets out of jail, Batman's dead, the Joker's dead, the Riddler's dead, too. like all of Gotham is, you know, good guys and bad guys are non-existent anymore, so hence Catwoman Lonely City. And then the other one is, of course, any Tom Taylor series will always, you know, hype to the hills. Uh, this is going to be a 12-issue limited series called Dark Knights of Steel, with art by Yasmin Putri as well, uh, which essentially he has called Game of Thrones meets Gotham, so again, that gives you a, a sense of what to look forward to. But next up... Can we get Keith onto a silly size DC title? What do we think? You're, you're as close as you're going to get for sure. Um, I mean, was know, Hellblazer the last one you went on? Hellblazer was the last one I went on. I got Batman Damn. That was disappointing, um, I think, for all of us. Um, Hellblazer was all right. Uh, I think you enjoyed was... Hellblazer, but I think it was the one that sort of tipped you over the edge of we don't need the extra page size for this yeah, series. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That, that's right. And, and I mean, again, the story of that was up against, um, you know, Sice Barrier's Hellblazer, and there was no contest between mm-hmm. the two. Um, and I, I did quite, you know, I read the first issue of The Question, uh, Many Deaths of Big Sage, wasn't it, or mm-hmm. something along those lines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is maybe as close as you're going to get with Swamp Thing Green Hell by Jeff Lemire and uh, art and cover by uh, Doug Monkey. Um Obviously, it appeals to my uh, environmental sensibilities, uh, you know, and Swamp Thing's just been doing great stuff under Ram V lately. Um, it reads, the earth is all but done. The last remnants of humanity cling to a mountaintop island lost in the endless floodwater. The parliaments of green, red and rot all agree it's time to wipe the slate clean and start the cycle of life all over again. And to do so, they've united their powers to summon an avatar, one of the most horrific monsters to ever stock the surface of, the, of this forsaken planet. Against a creature like that, there can be no fighting back, unless you're a soldier who understands the enemy, someone who has used its tactics before, someone like Alec Holland. Of course, it would help if Alec Holland hadn't died decades before. 
Yeah, bringing back Alec Holland, of course, who was the Swamp Thing through New 52, was the Swamp Thing before uh, Levi was uh, introduced through Ram V's excellent, excellent run as well. So it's appealing to the, the history of the DC Universe for me. It's got Jeff Lemire, it's got Doug Mankey on art. Preview pages look great. I mean, this this is the kind of title that could justify that bigger page size. You know, I, I wholeheartedly agree certain titles you read where you think there's nothing being added here. But I think these more fantastical titles is where it can shine because Wonder Woman Dead Earth, for me, is still the best example of a black label title because the art that you know yourself, you, I don't think you've read Wonder Woman Dead Earth, but you've obviously read uh, Better Ray Bill yeah. and Daniel mm-hmm. Warren Johnson's art is incredible. So yeah. I think this will be another one. I, I think you'll see this book and you'll just look at how good it is. You'll start weeping in the store and then just go, fine, just give me it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got this new big house. I'll find somewhere to store it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So yeah, the, uh, the preview art certainly looks really interesting. Yeah, I think so. And plus, it'll fill that swamp thing hole that will have been left by I think Ramvi's uh, run might come to an end this month. So uh, it'll it'll fill that swamp thing shaped hole in your heart as well. So uh, yeah, there is that. But. Uh, yeah, moving along from there, there's a new Superman-based title coming up as well called World of Krypton. So a brand new number one, going to be six issues in total. Uh, Robert Venditti writing this with art by Michael Avon Oeming. So yeah, again, this is going to go back to early Krypton rather than focusing on Superman and you know coming to Earth and so forth. So a modern telling of one of the most storied periods in comics, Krypton is a utopia admired across the universe for its achievements in science and culture. But its shining towers and regal people conceal a planet rotting at its core. When a catastrophic event befalls Krypton's natural world, it points towards a mass extinction in the making. Jor-El, head of Krypton's revered Sands Council, embarks on a mission to save the world that may have already passed the point of no return. Shining new light on the famous characters of Krypton's past, including Jor-El, General Drew Zod, and even a young Kara Zor-El, World of Krypton combines action, cosmic wonder, political intrigue, and a story as much about our world as the one on the page. So... Intriguing sounding title, lad. It is always interesting. It's uh, it's a little bit like watching the movie Titanic. You kind of know the ending, and it's not going to end well. But <laughs> is the journey to it going to be good? Um, Robert Vendetti's quite the writer. His Justice League stuff was some of the best Justice League, you know, in in, in recent memory. Um, Did a so good run in the be... Flash as well. I seem to remember. Yep. yep, that could be that could be interesting. The art looks uh, interesting, actually. Yeah, Michael Avenue, I mean, is the artist behind Powers. Don't know if you've ever read it with him and, and uh, Michael Bendis. After Realm. After Realm, of course, yeah, which yeah. seemed to be cut short in its prime, unfortunately. After Realm was uh, picked up for Kickstarter. Yeah, um, it was three issues um, through Image initially. It was quarterly, was it going to be? Similar to Lazarus Risen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, but yeah, moving along, the one I just wanted to point out a little bit, that it might be more of an acquired taste, but it, it, it came home to me simply because I recently watched... We've been watching all of Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics, and there was an episode on Superman, there was an episode on Wonder Woman, there was an episode on the Formation of Image, but one of them was on Milestone, which essentially was a imprint that DC bought up that uh, allowed black creators to create new black superheroes, essentially, and it was a really important movement, the the hip-hop um the hip-hop music industry got behind it, black actors got behind it, it was basically showing representation on the page and it seemed to be cut short in its time, there was one of them who died relatively young as well, I think it was Dwayne McDuffie who uh, helped spearhead it as well and 
you know, it was selling really well at the time, but it was essentially characters such as, you know, hardware, icons, static, zombie, that kind of thing. But what they're doing is they have relaunched some of those characters recently. And this month you do have season one of Static, which is the most recent return. But the one I'm more interested in is actually the Milestone Compendium. So this is going to combine a lot of those stories into one volume. So the groundbreaking comics imprint from the 1990s returns. Oh, the 90s. I remember you well. Uh, Restored and collected in a brand new series of compendium editions, this inaugural volume features the first appearances of Static, Icon, Hardware, The Blunt Syndicate and Zombie with epic stories and stunning art from Dwayne McDuffie, Ivan Velez Jr., John Rosam, Dennis Cowan, John Paul Leon and more. So there's a ton of content in here. You've got Blood Syndicate 1-12, you've got Hardware 1-12, Icon 1-10, Static 1-8, Zombie 0-11, and Shadow Cabinet Zero as well. So I'm definitely going to be jumping on that because I've not read an awful lot of that stuff. And the documentary just made it seem so vibrant and interesting and relevant. And yeah, just, I mean, did you ever read any of the Milestone stuff yourself? I caught, I think, some of the zombie stuff um, and maybe some of the blood, the hardware stuff maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was a while ago, so I couldn't... Uh, I couldn't rightly say it was at that time you were still picking up random books whenever they appeared. So I think yeah. I have a few issues tucked away somewhere. That's a chunky, a chunky tome coming in at 1,320 pages. Yeah, coming in at a $60 price point. So that compendium, that'll be probably quite similar in size to say something like the Walking Dead compendium or the yeah, Invincible yeah. compendiums, that kind of thing. Say so, um, just on that, uh, that facing page, they've got, they've got Milestone Returns, Static Season 1. Uh, and I just that Curry Randolph cover is popping out at me because of the... Uh, Carrie Randolph, obviously, is the artist on Images Excellence, Excellent. and that's a very excellence cover, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And a very a, a book very much in the, the spirit, I would say, of Milestone Comics as well. Mm. Uh, but speaking of witty tomes and uh, something that is going to attack my wallet, uh, thankfully, they're not out until, <laughs> mo- I think, May and June of next year, but I'm an absolute sucker for absolute uh, books. You know, the absolute format, I think, is incredible. It essentially is the most premium of uh, additions for any story uh, from the DC universe. So they expand the art, They it's it's hardcover binding, it comes in a slipcase. And there's two really, two of my favorite stories from recent times in there uh, hitting absolute, well, certainly solicitations this month anyway, but as I say, they're due for release middle of next year. You've got Absolute Doomsday Clock from Jeff Johns and Gary Frank and Absolute Dark Knight's Metal from Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Now, what I will say is I think they have a certain degree of humor with their introduction to Absolute Doomsday Clock. The first line reads, it's the story you thought you'd never see. Now, in terms of release schedule, you are right. <laughs> Doomsday it's Clock. the story you thought you'd never see finished. Oh, Doomsday Clock was an absolute disaster in terms of how it was released, which was such a shame because there's a ton of love poured into the book. There's ridiculously great art poured into the book. A lot of interest in storytelling. But it was hard to get a sense of the momentum of the book because it started out monthly, then it was every two months, then it was every three months, then it was whenever it decided to to come out. But having it all in one place like that, I'll really look forward to. And then anything... Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's uh, just... Uh, I'm a wee bit taken aback by the contents of the Absolute Dark Knight's metal. Um, I don't know if they're if they're just concentrating on the Snyder and Capullo stuff or, or, or what, but to me that doesn't seem complete 
Yeah, I mean, the Dark Knight Smell one is a bit strange to me because at the very least it should have had the Forge and the casting in there, which were the two lead-in issues. Uh, I'd before. like to see the, the one-shots for the for the, 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 the Dark Batmans, Batman. I, th- I think there's more than enough that you could do two volumes, but if you're going to do that, you I think you'd be better doing it in some sort of reading order. But this one, yeah, it's a bit strange because it has Dark Knight's Metal 1 to 6, which of course you'd you know expect that's the main series. But then it just has two other titles, uh, which is Batman Lost. I mean, if you're going to have Batman Lost in there, you'd probably want Hawkman Found as well. Mm. Uh, and it also has Dark Knight's Rising, The Wild Hunt. Now, that was one that Grant Morrison was involved in. And from what I remember, it was really, really good. But you need the Forge and the Casting in here. I think you need Teen Titans 12 in here, which is the Batman Who Laughs first appearance. You need... Um, definitely the origins for some of those dark knights characters as well so yeah the the contents did surprise me a little bit i have Mm. to say but yeah i'm still gonna fall for it i'm not gonna lie (laughs) (laughs) i don't know this might not be the absolute absolute absolutely it'll give him another excuse to bring one more out but uh but one more i just wanted to throw a little bit of attention to you know outside of all the ongoings which we'll probably mention a couple but there is a trade um or sorry a deluxe edition coming out for a story that's often forgotten but is absolutely brilliant and it's sort of the unofficial sequel to batman the long halloween it's a story called catwoman when in rome and it's the same creative team as um long halloween which is jeff Lowe writing tim sale on art but it follows Catwoman who takes a mysterious trip to Italy uh, to hunt the deadly Falcone crime family because in the long Halloween it's insinuated that uh, Selena Kyle is part of the Falcone crime family and she wants to basically go into her family history. It was a six issue miniseries, really, really good stuff. But for some reason, maybe it's just because the name Batman is not in the title. It's a, it's a Catwoman centric title. Maybe it just gets forgotten about, but this was set in between the long Halloween and dark victory, which of course is when uh, Bruce, you know, recruits uh, Dick Grayson to, you know, to help him fight crime as well. But if you've never heard of it before, never read it, I think this deluxe edition would be a, a good way to sink your teeth into it. Interesting. Um, and I guess then we're into a lot of the ongoing uh, single issues. Um, and there's, there's plenty of good stuff. Uh, sort of going on, including you know continuing Batman Urban Legends. Um, uh, we get uh, things that haven't started yet, Deathstroke Inc. and number four, and and all of that. And I have to say, uh, I am Batman number four and five by John Ridley. I read the first issue of that earlier. That is some book. Uh, really, really impressed. How good was uh, that art by Olivier Coupel as well? Oh yeah, great. I see Olivier Coupel's off it, and Steven Segovia is on it. Uh, by the time December rolls around, mm-hmm. but uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing either. But the ones that really stand out to me uh, as surprising, precisely no one, I would imagine, is Nightwing number 87. It's a special Nightwing issue. It's one continuous image, uh, and I'm going to have to order two copies of this, Alan, because you know whenever it says one continuous image, if you place every page next to each other, you'll get one poster image for the story. And, you know, it's it's funny because that's Bruno Redondo has been great at that, drawing the continuous, you know, whenever whenever Nightwing is, is doing something acrobatic. And even that yeah. cover the other of that issue where yeah, it's coming down the stairs, down. you know. So seeing like seeing that and laid out in, you know, twenty something pages across the floor would be awesome. So See, that's I, I've been thinking about this, Keith. You're gonna need three copies though. Three copies, yeah. Because yes, you're yes. gonna need one to keep complete and you're gonna need two to destroy, basically. Yes. Because there's could, there's no yeah. way you can lay them all out. 
You know what I mean? You can only lay one book at a time out, so you're going to have to cut it. And I'm going to do the same thing. I know for a fact I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So may, that, I mean, that, that's, presuming, that's presuming there's not a, an advert every other page. Like, Yeah, well, that's true as well. <laughs> Just, But yeah, it sounded really interesting. They sort of announced that on uh, Twitter a week or two ago and, you know, talking about how Bruno Redondo's been working on it for ages and it's a crazy idea. But as you say, I think Bruno Redondo is one of the best artists that convey motion in comics. Mm-hmm. And therefore... It's an interesting experiment, and it's Nightwing, and you just you trust this creative team full stop, no matter what. So, uh, definitely on board for that. So, yeah, so that is pretty much the DC book. Um, as as Keith says, there's plenty of other continuing series. You can check out the book in store at any time. But we'll move away from the DC book and on to the ch- rather chunky feeling Marvel book by comparison. Yeah, I mean it's it's because and I have to say I appreciate that they do. It's because DC put all their continuing issues in in the back and and small thumbnails with yeah. those, you know, four or five of them is it? Uh what have they done? Yeah, four four per page. You know, it's it's a really cool sensible thing to do and and I would value if Marvel did the same thing. You well, know, for, one, one time I would say copy your competitors, lads. <laughs> well, for now they're sticking with a chunky version anyway, so plenty to sink the teeth into. And and for me, there's definitely one place to start, and this is probably along with another title we'll, we'll get to in a minute. This would be my most anticipated Marvel of the month, and that is Devil's Reign, which is going to be it's it's solicited as a Marvel event. It's it's obviously very clearly a Daredevil centric event. But not just, uh, it's not going to be just Daredevil. Uh, in true Zdarsky fashion, based on his, his Daredevil run so far, this is very Wilson Fisk centric as well. So, this is the, the team that we've been enjoying so much through Daredevil. So, Chip Zdarsky writing, Marco Cicchetto on art. It's going to be a six issue miniseries. So, Devil's Reign, the story that's been building for years, is here. Wilson Fisk went from kingpin to mayor of the biggest city in America and is going to bring his full criminal and political power to bear on the superheroes who call NYC home. The man who once destroyed Daredevil has set his sights on the Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Captain America, Spider-Man, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage and more. And since it's Fisk, once he takes them all down, you know he's going to sign it. Crossbones, Taskmaster, Typhoid, Mary, Shocker, Whiplash, Rhino, Craven. Fisk has an army of supervillains at his command and this is just his opening salvo. For years, Fisk has waited for his time to strike, and you won't believe the aces he's got up his sleeves. <laughs> oh, fantastic sound and stuff. I mean, they've solicited the first two issues for this, so I wonder if that's just because, as you stated, it's a five-week month, or whether this is going to be maybe a fortnightly event. We're not 100% sure. Yeah, hard to hard to say, but either way, looking forward to it. I imagine this will be Zdarsky and Chichero's sign-off from Daredevil. Yeah, I'm curious uh, about that. I think he's continuing after this. I, is he? I think I read somewhere that he might be continuing afterwards because a lot of people were panicking that he was done, but I'm genuinely not sure. But I do love the... Zdarsky's very good at subtle little things in comics, I find, and I really appreciate the logo design which he did for Devil's Reign because it's like mm-hmm. the DD symbol for Daredevil, but it's the yeah, DR of yeah. Devil's Reign. It's a subtle little thing, but... Uh, it is. It seems to be a, a, a Marvel Universe-wide event spinning out of Daredevil rather than a Daredevil event, per se. Yeah. Well, that's um, it. And having Chichetto on art and covers, I, I presume he'll be doing all of the uh, the event there. So definitely one to jump on. And again, we, we've talked a lot about how Sadarsky's run hasn't really got a jumping on point, but I would imagine that as this is an event, this would be easy enough to jump on to. I'm sure you'll, they'll fill you with whatever information you need ahead of time for that. Yeah, big style. And uh, I, I think we're seeing the, the return of the Thunderbolts uh, for the, for this, uh, which is always always nice to see. Yeah. Um, 
Moving on, we've got uh, Timeless um, was a slightly controversial uh, one shot. Uh, it had previously included uh, Joe Bennett. And in fact, if you look at the back cover, uh, which is an adver advertisement for Timeless, Joe Bennett's name is still on the back cover, but not on the solicitation itself. Um, Joe Bennett was obviously dropped after some um, fairly bad taste uh, tweets and, and uh, views came out. But uh, we've got Jed McKay, Kev Walker, and Mac Mark Bagley, so quite a team on this one shot. And uh, solicitation says, how do you win a war against time? A special year-ending adventure that gives portents as, what's, as to what's to come in the Marvel Universe over the next 12 months. Kang the Conqueror is a warrior, a destroyer, and a subjugator, but even he is subject to the whims and vicissitudes. Wow, vicissitudes of time itself. That's a word. <laughs> so when a parallel timeline threatens to overwrite, the future Kang has fought so long and so hard to control, the Master of the Edges has no choice but to go on a war with time itself, battling through the days of tomorrow as he struggles to prevent the end of what is to come, featuring all the major players of the Marvel Pantheon. Uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of variant covers by the Stormbreakers here, uh, including our buddy Joshua Kassara. Nice. Uh, I know that you were talking about how you think this might lead into a, a long rumored event, perhaps. Yeah, I think that this will maybe lead into uh, the Reckoning War, which is a, a an event or a, within the universe that Dan Slott has been teasing since a She-Hulk run. Uh, and in fact, looking ahead to January, the Fantastic Four have the Reckoning War Alpha. So uh, I think, I mean, we've got no idea. There's, there, there's Dan Slot's been teasing it in Fantastic Four this last couple of weeks and uh, and that. So I think it's finally coming to bear. And then whenever you, you factor in that Kang is, was introduced in Loki to the MCU uh, and is, uh, is supposed to be the big the upcoming big bad. Uh, in the uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as played by John uh, Jonathan Majors, um, and also the the current uh, fantastic uh, Kang the Conqueror miniseries uh, that's ongoing. It all it all makes some sort of sense. So so yeah, is 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 you know, and the multiverse is a is a massive thing at the minute for the for I guess it's a more massive thing for all of the for the DC universe as well, but particularly for the Marvel universe, it's always been a it's always been a thing. So, yeah, looking forward to this one. Um, 56 pages. It is a one-shot. Nice. Um, another one that's got me excited just by the name uh, is Avengers Forever. Avengers Forever was a fantastic 12-issue miniseries uh, back in the early 2000s that took Avengers from all over the timeline and uh, put them together in a, in a, in a team to, to uh, brought together by Immortus to, to, again, defeat... Kang, I think, but uh, Avengers Forever number one, which is an ongoing, is launching in December. And who's at the helm? But uh, our own bearded messiah, J Jason Aaron, uh, and we've got Aaron Cooter on art. Uh, it's an all-new series starring the Avengers of the multiverse. Um, on a quest of cosmic vengeance, Ghost Rider finds himself roaring through the wasteland of a ruined Earth, where the great edge of heroes never came to be, where hope is a four-letter word. And where his only ally in the coming battle against the greatest villains any universe has ever seen is the world's most wanted archaeologist, Tony Stark, the invincible Ant-Man. Spinning out of the cataclysmic events of Avengers 750 and operating in lockstep with the Prime Avengers series, the next great Avengers saga begins here as the mightiest heroes of every Earth begin to assemble. This looks class. This would be my my pick of the month, I would say. <laughs> looks super exciting. The... Uh, 
the covers look great. Um, there's a variant covers by Mario Scalera, Betsy Cola, and Russell Dodderman. Um, so uh, looking looking pretty awesome with uh, with Mr. Aaron at the helm. Yeah, Mario Scalera covers outstanding. I, he actually shared on Twitter his process for that, and he did it sort of character by character and put it all together. But it's a it's an artist I'm a big fan of anyway. But uh, I might just have to indulge in that cover. I would say. But anything, mm-hmm. Jason Aaron, you you do tend to jump on, you know. Yeah, that's that's true. I see we've got uh, some more Demon Day stuff from Peach Mimoka coming out. I know that's been tickling your fancy of late. Yeah, I've been enjoying that. This one looks very much like it's going to be focusing on sort of interpretations of Storm and Thor. Uh, so yeah, this is the the Peach Mimoka. It's a series of one shots with one character running through them, and it's it's almost like far eastern interpretations of the Marvel universe. I've been a big fan of this so far, and again. Peach Momoko for a while was very much a, a cover artist who I could sort of take or leave, but her interior artwork's been been fantastic in this, and they're even starting to do these creators cuts of uh, them as well, because as well as Demon Days Rising Storm number one, which is the Thor Storm centric one, there's also going to be this creators cut of uh, Demon Days X Men, which was pretty fantastic recently as well. Uh, and then we move on to what may have the best two covers of the month for one issue. <laughs> and that is issue 82 of of uh, Spider-Man the amazing Spider-Man Spider-Man Beyond yes oh those two covers like so you've got the main cover first of all which is clearly a nod to Rear Window my favourite movie of all time yes like uh-huh. even in the fact that the person at the top is Peter in a wheelchair with his girlfriend beside him looking out the window uh, and then you've got this great Jorge Fornes cover, which is just like Spider-Man looking out from behind a set of blinds, which is just yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I love those images, but yeah, this is a uh, this is where Spider-Man's weekly, isn't it? Yes, this is. There's five issues of Spider-Man in the in uh, this 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 month in December. We have uh, Spider-Man eighty-one, Spider-Man eighty-two, eighty-three, and eighty-four, uh, but we also have. Spider-Man number 80 dot B-A-Y, B-E-Y rather, um, you know, Spider-Man Bay uh, by Cody Ziegler. And this is the one that sort of stood out for me, actually, because we have return of the oddest couple in, uh, in the Marvel Universe, to my mind. Uh, uh, with her nephew at death's door, Mae Parker is not going to sit around accepting Peter's ailments aren't solvable by conventional means. Aunt May is going to seek unconventional means by way of her ex-fiancé, Dr. Octopus. Did you know Aunt May and Dr. Octopus had been engaged? I knew of it, but not in, in depth or anything like that. Um, so one of the most controversial couples in comics history is back together. And they're Peter Parker's only hope of living through Beyond. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this Beyond stuff. Um, we have Spider-Man versus... New Spider-Man versus newest Spider-Man with Miles Morales in his cool new costume uh, against Ben Reilly. Uh, you know, for the uh, I guess for the the brand of Spider-Man and uh, probably for the protection of Peter's. So there's there's some really cool stuff going on, but I, I don't understand. You know, is there going to be a Spider-Man eighty and then a Spider-Man eighty dot b a e y? That's normally how they would do these things. Um, but yeah, some really really cool stuff. And I see Doc Ogg is back in the is back in the white suit and the 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 black shirt from from the the late eighties early nineties, which is always cool to see. They're really uh, they're really. Uh, they're really doing it for me. Are the are the beyond board here? They know what they're up to. They know their target market. Really I'm, looking forward to this. It's certainly going to be interesting because they will eighty dot b a b e y the covers by Mark Bagley, but after that, all the main covers are by Arthur Adams. So they they flow really well. But I'm going to be really curious to see how this flows as a weekly event. Different writer each week, different artist each week. Um, well, actually, you've got Saladin Ahmed doing eighty one and eighty two, 
but then you've got Patrick Gleason writing 83 and then Cody Ziegler writing 84 and then you have a different artist each issue as well so this will be a this will be a good actually tester I think of how how well this sort of collective Spider-Man brain trust almost will actually flow so uh, I'm sure yeah. it's a case if they all work out the story and then it's just like right you write the script and the dialogue and, and so on and so forth but it'll be a good tester for it I think yeah, I mean, apart from the dot .bey issue, they've listed the full Beyond board, uh, you know, in every in every issue. That being uh, Gleason, Ziegler, Wells, Thompson, and Ahmed. Yeah, um, interesting. An interesting new era for the uh, for the Arachnid. Yeah, and uh, we we come again to another title from our favorite. What did you call him? Favorite bearded messiah. Uh, That's the one. <laughs> to him I don't know where that came from, but. <laughs> we're gonna run with it we're gonna run with it we'll so with it. Uh, this would be my other pick for for my personal favorite uh title what i'm most looking forward to from this previous book from marvel and um, this is king conan number one of six now this is really interesting to see when this was first announced i thought to myself have we not already had this and then i realized it was king thor i was thinking of uh, mm, and the other thing that's worth noting is the last issue of conan uh was the last issue of conan the barbarian yeah uh, whether it's on pause or whether it's uh, it's it's stopped now for the foreseeable uh, for this particular six issue mini. Well, here's hoping it's just on pause because I've been really digging uh, Conan as as anybody who listens well knows after Keith's sterling Thanks, recommendation. Dude. But yeah, you've got a great team on this. You know, you've got Jason Aaron as as what we're saying writing, but also Mahmoud Azrar coming back as artist. So you've basically got the team that kicked Conan off. Uh, again, for Marvel Comics with Conan the Barbarian number one. So yeah, this is going to be six issue mini series. You've got an absolute barrage of great talent doing variant covers as well. You've got Alex Maleev, you've got James Stokoe, Stephanie Hans, uh, amongst others. But for this one, it is Jason Aaron and Mahmoud Azrar return to the saga of Conan in an all new adventure that takes the story of the Chimerian further than has ever been revealed in any media to date. As Robert E. Howard posited, when King Conan grows restless on the throne, he sails west, towards land and adventure unknown. Now I see the first step of King Conan's fateful journey from Aquilonia, as an old and terrible danger threatens to end the saga of the Chimerian once and for all. Don't dare miss the first issue of an adventure of a lifetime. There's going to be a 40-page issue one as well to kick things off. And as you would expect, the preview art pages look absolutely glorious. I think this will be a big one. Uh, and Conan's popular enough in store, but I, I could see this because of its miniseries format, because of an older sort of look at a legend. I think this will this will do very well in the store. Yeah, for sure. And I'm really interested because this, as it does say, this is taking the story of Sumerian further than any other media has into the future. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was supposedly the next the next Arnold movie mm -hmm. after Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer was supposed to be Conan the King. And it was always sort of teased in that medium as well. They've also got uh, a facsimile edition of Conan the Barbarian by Roy Thomas and Barry Windsor-Smith. That would be worth picking up as well. Yeah, just going right back to the start with that. Yeah, I've been considering yeah. actually going and uh, getting the Conan the Barbarian Volume 1 omnibus. Uh, just go right back to the start of the Conan stuff and seeing how that, uh, seeing where it all began. Well, it's Roy Thomas. You can't go too far wrong. Not at all. Not at all. What else have we got this month then from Marvel? A uh, couple that are jumping out at me. Um, obviously, we've got the the death of Doctor Strange running over the next couple of months by Jed McKay. It's a five-issue mini, the fourth issue of which is released in December. But we have two Death of Doctor Strange one-shots. Blade number one by Danny Lohr and uh, Dylan Burnett. Um, 
A long time ago, Doctor Strange destroyed every vampire in the world with one spell, including Dracula. Now the Strange dead. Now with, sorry, now with Strange dead, Dracula's vampire nation celebrates. That doesn't sit too well with Strange's old friend and new vampire nation sheriff, Blade the Vampire Hunter. What happens when the interlopers from another dimension invade the vamp's territory and uh, put all the bloodsuckers' lives at risk? Will Blade do his duty to protect them, or will he make sure the vamps stay wiped out this time? This will be interesting because... Uh, Jason Aaron made uh, Blade the sheriff of uh, of the Vamp Nation in, uh, in Avengers before uh, the the Heroes Reborn uh, mini. So it'll be interesting to see what's happening there. And then maybe a little more attractive even. I mean, I, I love Blade as a character, but Sykes Barrier and Bob Quinn have been doing great work on uh, Wave X uh, and uh, Black Knight, particularly for Sykes Barrier. So this is Death of Doctor Strange X-Men Black Knight number one by Sykes Barrier and Bob Quinn. London's burning, the Black Knights ride again. All manner of vile extra-dimensional foes invade Earth following the collapse of Doctor Strange's magical safeguards for the planet. Dean Whitman, a.k.a. the Black Knight, receives a terrible vision of the Ebon Siege, while Jax, now sharing the burden of the Ebony Blade with her father, rides off to confront a terrible evil attacking London, the X-Men. Krakoa's greatest heroes have been transformed, but by what? Jax, Dean, and Pazaya Hussein, wielder of the mighty sword Excalibur, must team up to save the X-Men before... An even deadlier threat destroys them all. That sounds like an awful lot to get into a one-shot, but very cool. Um, I mean, you know my love for, for Sykes Barrier and for the work he's been doing in Black Knight, so no surprises there. Yeah, well, I think if anybody can fit all that into one one shot, it would be Sykes Barrier. Uh, another one who, again, obviously did great work at DC with uh, the, that Hellblazer run you mentioned before and now working and doing great stuff at Marvel as well. So... I uh, just wanted just to go back to quickly, you'd mentioned in the intro about something spinning out of the Old Man Logan universe as well. So you have a series of one-shots coming out under the banner of Wastelanders. So basically this is spinning out of the Old Man Logan universe. You know, it says, welcome to the post-apocalyptic wastelands, a world where heroes can die, villains can win, and the constant struggle to survive is magnified by threats, both personal and cosmic. And they're basically kicking these all off, all in the same month, and you've got... Wastelanders Wolverine, Wastelanders Hawkeye, Wastelanders Doom, Wastelanders Black Widow, and Wastelanders Star-Lord. And, you know, you th- some of these have been their own miniseries from time to time. Obviously, we mentioned Old Man Logan, but there was also Old Man Hawkeye. There was also Old Man... I think Old Man Star-Lord might have been a podcast, or was it like an audio play or something like that? I can't remember. As well. Uh, but Black Widow and, and Doom definitely seem new to me. But yeah, there's some great talent involved with this. Um, you know, you've Rich Duek doing the Star-Lord one. You know, obviously Rich, we chatted to a while back. who He's doing Sea of Sorrows, um, Road of Bones, that kind of thing. So he's obviously dipping his toe in the Marvel Universe. You've got Stephen S. DeKnight uh, working on Wolverine and on Black Widow as well. Uh, so there's some good um, talent involved in that and again it'll be a series of one shots so I would imagine you could dip in and out based on who what character you like you know I don't think you'd have to necessarily subscribe to all five but then again I suppose if you want the full story you'll uh, you'll be wanting to jump into that but yeah future post-apocalyptic Marvel Universe I can get on board with that mm, moving from the future to a galaxy far far away um, oh, effortless. Long time ago. effortless thank you very much sir um, <laughs> and we have from Charles Soule, uh, who uh, you know has obviously done such great work on on, on Star Wars in the in the past, um, and is currently still on the, the main Star Wars title. He just came off the back of um, uh, War of the Bounty Hunters, and uh, we're straight into Star Wars 
Crimson Rain, number one of five by Charles Tussol and Steve Cummings. After the dawn comes the rain. The story that began with War of the Bounty Hunters continues here in the second installment of a trilogy that will reshape the history of the Star Wars galaxy during the Age of Rebellion. Featuring the return of beloved characters, shocking twists, epic feats of the Force, and a story that will reach from Star Wars Darkest Underworld all the way to the Imperial Palace in Coruscant, Crimson Rain is a Star Wars saga like no other. Uh, looking forward to this. Uh, Crimson Rain were introduced, or I guess retcon reintroduced, um, to the Star Wars universe in War of the Bounty Hunters and a real, a real interesting sort of criminally type organization. So uh, that should be that should be fun. Uh, a quick in and out of Star Wars corner there for you, Alan. <laughs> I mean, is this is this the title that's focused on the character introduced in Solo, uh, played by what do you call her, Amelia Clark? Uh, that's a question for another man, given I've never yet seen Solo. Really, Solo? Uh, believe it or not, for someone who doesn't massively like Star Wars, I really enjoyed Solo. I'll maybe click it on tonight on uh, on the old uh, the old Disney Plus. I think the only reason it struggles and it's it's inevitable that it would is because it's not Harrison Ford. It's the only reason it struggles. Mm. Obviously, he's so synonymous with the character, but the world building, the action in it, I actually really, really enjoyed Solo. I, I think it's the best of the modern Star Wars movies. Not that that's necessarily a high bar, but it is actually very, very good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we move away from there. We'll just finish off the Marvel book just with maybe spotlighting a couple of wee trades we're looking forward to i think you've got the moon knight collection coming out so that's the new title we've been enjoying so much by jed mckay and alessandro capuccio so that's going to cover the first six issues of moon knight amazingly you're going to have the first amazing spider-man beyond trade out this month even though it hasn't kicked off in single issues yet you've got to love the way the previews book works sometimes Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a couple of mini series coming up. I know you were a big fan of Kang the Conqueror number one, so it'll be hitting trade this month as well. That complete mini series, but there was definitely one that stood out the most for you as well in the back. Yes, that is uh, that is right. We're looking at uh, Captain America: Truth, uh, Red, White, and Black um, by Robert Morales and Kyle Becker, and um, we've got a a Joe Casada cover as well here. I think so. This is a bit of a character who is much more familiar now to uh, Marvel fans and Marvel Cinematic Universe fans than whenever uh, it was originally created and released. In every war, there are legends. In World War II, birthed Captain America, the heroic Sentinel of Liberty. But in this shocking re-examination of the 1940s Super Soldier program, a hidden and controversial chapter of history is declassified at last. Meet the unit of African-American soldiers who were involuntarily subjected to the U.S. War Department's British efforts to refine the super soldier serum and hear the story of Isaiah Bradley, who overcame all odds to don the famous red, white and blue on the battlefield. Robert Morales and Kyle Becker hit home with a touching, timely and thought-provoking tale that spans decades. Collects uh, Truth, Red, White and Black, numbers 1 to 7, 168 pages. I'll be jumping on that. I have never read this from start to finish. Uh, and I think this is a really good opportunity to you. It's a January uh, 2022 early solicit. So, uh, yep, that's one for me. And uh, I would say anybody who's watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier would uh, would probably do well to, to pick it up and appreciated the, the the poignant character of Isaiah Bradley in that particular uh, in that particular TV series. I'm just still reeling from the fact that there's a previous important Marvel story that you haven't read from start to finish. Yeah, yeah, uh, because it got very, very difficult to get very quickly. Oh, yeah? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If only Coffee and Heroes had have existed back then, you would have them all. 
That is correct. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a couple more just maybe worth throwing out there. Um, actually, one last one I'll just finish on simply because these wee additions have been proven popular in the store so far. And that's the, the Mighty Marvel Masterworks range. So these are the, uh, you know, good value reprints of early issues of... Uh, classic marvel characters so so far x-men has been out and sold well fantastic four spider-man and uh coming in february 2022 so this is an early solicit but it's going to be doctor strange from the beginning as well so it's going to have issues from strange tales as well as uh, amazing spider-man annual so it's essentially a case of getting you right back to the start of doctor strange and and again these these editions a they're well priced they come in at around 1450 i think and they they sell really well as well so one last one to keep your eye out for there so that is pretty much the marvel book done in a heartbeat of course again there's far more than what we just chatted about but again you can always pop in and have a wee look uh, at the books in stores so we'll finish off then as we always do with the uh indie book so to speak the... can, uh, can i just interrupt you oh uh, have you noticed yeah I think you're exactly right. I think that was the character that Amelia Clark played in Solo. Ah. Uh, the the leader of the the leader of the Crimson Dawn. And now you definitely uh, have to watch Solo before you get that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, a wee bit of a news flash there from a non Star Wars fan. Good job. I tell you. I stop clocks right twice a day, as you know. <laughs> so uh but yeah, no, we'll we'll focus as I say on the, the main previews catalog. So again, this contains all the, the indie labels, so things like Image, Boom, Dark Horse aftershock awa that kind of stuff so you know image is always uh, at the front of the book they certainly release the most titles indie wise and most times they tend to have the most exciting looking titles as well but but yeah having a look here uh i think we'll let you kick things off with i would say probably their most exciting looking uh, new series launching this month yeah i would say so from image we've got king of spies number one of four from uh from Scottish writer Mark Miller. Uh, we know him for many, many things, including uh, Civil War, uh, Magic Order, Kick-Ass, all that good stuff. Uh, we've got uh, artist Mario Scalera, um, who is uh, the artist and on cover A and cover B variant, and a variety of other variants there. 40 pages, action, adventure, crime, mystery, thriller. The world's greatest secret agent has six months to live. Does he die quietly in a hospital bed, or does he make up for a lifetime of bad decisions? He's been propping up an unfair system for over 40 years. Now he knows where all the bodies are buried and has nothing to lose when he turns his guns on everyone he ever made a buck creating the mess we're in right now. It's an action-adventure story that's part spy thriller, part revenge rampage, and the most violent story you'll read all year. Quite the claim. Quite the claim. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is this looks very much like a play on, on James Bond. Uh, you know, maybe more so even than... The likes of Kingsman would be, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the idea that that spies do grow old, um, and and the, you know the idea that yes, James Bond has been propping up a very uns, unfair colonialist imperialist system for for years and years and years, and probably in the eyes of many as the bad guy. <laughs> so so yeah, this is this is really this is a really interesting take. The art looks phenomenal. Um, yeah, I've always I been a big fan of Scalera. Yeah, definitely. I mean, artist alone would get me in. Mark Mark Millar, I always say the same thing. He's like the Stephen King of comics. He's not every one he, he, he throws out there as a home run, but in terms of wealth of ideas, I don't think there's many better in the industry. And it it does look to me, certainly looking at that cover D D especially, like this is very much a play on the Pierce Brosnan James Bond, uh, in terms of design of a character. 
and mm. yeah I, this one stood out immediately for me as well I, again the simplicity of that main cover is fantastic you know you've essentially got like a, a tablecloth with bullets on it a whiskey uh the british flag but of course it's dripping over the side almost like it's dripping blood uh and cigarettes of course i.e the unhealthy lifestyle of a uh of a ladies man spy if you will so yeah mm-hmm. that's that's definitely uh top of the list i think for image this month one that i think will prove popular though uh is the continuing expansion of the spawn universe that uh todd mcfarland is indulging in in the moment he's released king spawn already gunslinger spawns all the way he also teased that there would be a team-up book as well, which is going to be called The Scorch. So, brand new number one, 48 page, issue one. It's going to be an ongoing. Uh, it's written by Sean Lewis. Uh, artists on this are Stephen Segovia and Paolo Sicaria. Uh, so, the first all-new issue of Todd McFarlane's superhero team book. There's a threat so big, no single hero can stop it. And the formation of this new supergroup is the only thing standing in its way. Members will include Spawn, Redeemer, Gunslinger, Medieval Spawn, and She-Spawn, with many more heroes waiting in the wings. An Avengers-esque ensemble of superheroes in the latest entry in Spawn's universe. Uh, this will hook readers of King Spawn and Gunslinger Spawn, as well as longtime Spawn fans. Now, I did read the first two issues of King Spawn myself. It's alright. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a big <laughs> Spawn guy. Uh, I don't know enough about the character. I think, and I don't think i'm not interested in the character i want to go back and read 320 issues uh especially i understand some of those early issues are tough going when it was very much art over uh words shall we say but Mm -hmm. this looks pretty interesting the the art on it's good it's interesting that it's a book that todd has no input to whatsoever well i'm sure he has input behind the scenes but you know he's not listed as writer he's not listed as an artist and he's not doing any covers either other than, of course, the obligatory 1 to 250 signed edition because, you know, people are silly and pay stupid money for that kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, just thought we'd throw it out there anyway. But uh, next up, what do we have? Well, we have an interesting little one-shot here next up, I believe. It's not a one-shot. It's one of two, Alan. Oh, I take it back. That's uh, Stray Dogs Dog Days. Ah, see, I had turned the page and I was looking at something else, which is a one shot. But we will, uh, we will go to Stray Dogs Dog Days because I put it on and I've put it in that order and in our list. So, yeah, Stray Dogs Dog Days number one of two. So yeah, this is the team of Tony Flex and Trish Forstner, who of course did Stray Dogs itself. So, Stray Dogs for anybody who doesn't know was the one that was uh, solicited as Disney meets Silence of the Lambs. It was essentially the story of a group of dogs who. A new dog is introduced to them and it's one owner who has them all but they none of them can remember how they got there uh, and then they start to suspect that maybe their owner isn't you know as good as he could be or as nice as he could be and it goes from there but this is the the follow-up story to it now it is one of two but issue one is actually 48 pages so i wonder if uh issue two will be the same size so it'll actually seem longer than it actually is they call it this time the lady in the tramp meets silence of the lamb so they haven't strayed <laughs> strayed see what i did there see what you did they there. haven't strayed away too there. much and of course there is a horror movie variant as well so yeah uh, very much for fans of stray dogs uh i know that you picked up the trade i don't know if you've had a chance to tuck in yet yes i picked up the trade it is at the bottom of next my next pull list that i have yet to read which is last week's pull list uh so i haven't had a chance to read it yet i will get back to you as soon as i do and uh, on to the uh, the one shot that you were talking about before <laughs> i derailed you not at all 
yes, we have a one-shot for Noctera. So Noctera, of course, has been the, the title we've been really enjoying from Scott Snyder and Tony S. Daniel. Uh, and what we've got here is Noctera special on Blacktop Bill, who, of course, is the big bad of the Noctera world. Now, interestingly for this one, they have brought on a couple of new artists, uh, which is Dennis Cowan and Chris Sotomayor. And this is basically going to be the origin for uh, Blacktop Bill. So, behold the book of Blacktop Bill. In the wake of the first arc's explosive finale, the origin of Noctera's most terrifying creature will at last be revealed in this special one-shot issue. Witness the horror that awaits our heroes as Scott Snyder and legendary artist Dennis Cowan present the penny dreadful you won't soon forget. Now, I wouldn't recommend just jumping into this if you know nothing about the Noctera world. But what I would say is that the Noctera trade is due in November. So you can always play catch up there. If you enjoy that world and what they're telling, then this is where you would uh, you would then jump into this one shot. So, you know, I've been loving Noctera. I think it's got better as it's went on. Uh, so I'm, I'm more than happy to, to see some more Noctera love coming our way. Yeah, very, very good. I'm, I'll, I'll be picking that up. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Um, there's a couple of trades, uh, a volume one and a and a complete uh, coming out from from Image. We've got volume one of oh, interesting. It's volume one of the side six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, uh, which collects Trigger Keaton number one to six. Now, if that's volume one, does that suggest there's more to come of? I would of, uh, say it does, and I must be honest, I hadn't even noticed that it said Volume 1 in the solicitation, because yeah. I just assumed this was a one-and-done story, but I'd be more than happy to stay in this world for a little longer. Yeah, 100%. I noticed that it's a, it's a January solicit, so it's an early solicit. Uh, for fans of Chew and Assassination comes a new action mystery series from Eisner Award nominees Chris Schweitzer and Kyle Starks. The world's most unlikable action star has been found dead, and his previous TV sidekicks are looking to solve the mystery. But how can you catch a murderer when almost everyone hates the victim? And that includes the six sidekicks for the most part. Now these sidekicks are going to learn what it means to be stars of their own show. That is, if any of them survive the stuntmen war. <laughs> it's been so good. Really enjoyable, uh, really enjoyable book. Um, so yeah, looking, uh, if, you, if you haven't picked up uh, the first three or four issues of the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, I would, I would highly recommend picking up that, uh, that soft cover trade. No, definitely. We've we've talked about it a lot, obviously, in the reviews pod and so forth as well. So just great sense of humor, great characters, good storytelling. And uh, yeah, it's 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 been one of the treats of the year, I would say, so far. Um, um, there's a there's a, a great review of it there, or a great uh, testimonial for it. I must read if you're a fan of movies like Knives Out and The Usual Suspects, you'll love this book. I'd say that rings pretty true. Usual Suspects is a weird comparison, given the sense of humor of this book. Usual Suspects is a very serious movie, whereas Knives Out uh, yeah. is very firmly tongue-in-cheek, you know? I guess, I guess, but I mean, I guess they're going for, uh, you know, the whole idea of uh, Usual Suspects is who killed Kaiser Susie. Ah, uh, what you a know? movie. What a movie. Um, so, yeah. Cool, and then there was just one other trade to mention as well, although it seems to be a complete story. It was... One that I had to, you know, break the news sadly to Keith a few weeks ago that it was only going to be a three-issue miniseries. Yeah. But yeah, we were only two in at that point. Uh, so this is a series called Siphon. Uh, it's written by Patrick Meany and Moshin Ashraf. And the artists is Jeff Edwards and John Calise. And this has been a bit of a revelation of a series, I think, so far. Uh, we've only I've only read the first two. I haven't read issue three just yet. Uh, but yeah, when fast-living EMT Silas is entrusted with the power to sense and siphon pain from others, he finds a new per uh, purpose, easing the misery of those around him. 
But the more he uses his gift, the more he is cursed to carry the burden of others' pain. And before long, he attracts the attention of mysterious forces who covet the power for themselves. Will Silas continue on his noble mission or will he fall back to his old impetuous ways? Uh, it's interesting when you say for fans of things like the psychological thrills of Unbreakable, one of the best superhero movies of all time. Agreed. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's sort of disappointing a wee bit because issue two of this was phenomenal and really started to introduce a, a really massive uh, world and uh, it says it's a creator own noir fantasy that evokes the lore of Neil Gaiman's American Gods uh, you know this world that they're building and background they're building I just can't see how they're going to tie it up satisfactorily in another issue you know so mm-hmm. that's why I was so disappointed but yeah it's been a great story um, I would highly recommend picking up that trade yep so that is very much the image thing taken care of I mean there's plenty more in the image section you know continuations of series that we really enjoy um there's a new solicitation for the deadly class deluxe edition books coming out which i can't recommend enough you may have heard me mention deadly class on this podcast once or twice before <laughs> you know but you've got trades for like the old guard tales through time Philadelphia, volume three continuation of you know great series that we're enjoying there as well so plenty more in there uh but we'll move on to dark horse and we picked out a couple of things for dark horse and the first one is definitely an interesting looking title and Interestingly enough, it comes from the first ever creator to walk through the doors of Coffee and Heroes. Is that a fact? That is um, a fact. Right. Um, it's by uh, Daisy number one of five by Colin Norimer, um, who's writer, art, and cover. Um, and it just looks really, I don't know, compelling. Um, it's one of Diamond's gems of the month. Um, a desperate mother's five-year search for her missing son leads her to a small town of Bremont. And to the mysterious Phillips family, Daisy Phillips, like many teenagers, has a hard time fitting in, but not for the usual reason. Daisy stands eight and a half feet tall and is still growing, but her troubles with ill health, daily ridicule and custom-made clothing are only the tip of the iceberg. Daisy may well be descended from a race of cannibalistic giants spawned from the outcasts of heaven. Uh, Colin Norum is one of graphic fiction's emerging unique creative voices, and Daisy is a tale unlike any other, a singular vision, both horrific and beautiful. Yeah, Colin Lormer, he was someone that walked into our store. We were only open maybe about two months. It was the very first store, the the smallest one. And interestingly, I was out at the post office, I think. And then Vicky phoned me and said, like, oh, you may want to get back here. There's someone you might want to talk to. And he was all made up because he went through our back issue bays and found issues of The Hunt, which was uh, a tale that he had worked on. And then we had a good chat with him. And he ended up sending us, like, uh, some signed issues and a little sketch and stuff. Like, a thoroughly, thoroughly lovely bloke so uh lovely yeah definitely one to keep an eye on there uh the other couple that i wanted to uh, showcase just from dark horse uh are both graphic novels and they were both uh digital first series boo but they are now getting uh (laughs) they are now getting the full treatment so the first one is snow angels uh volume one so this comes from the team of jeff lemire writing and jock on art so straight away i am sold just by the creative team uh, so it came out as a comicsology original, four issues, but this collects the whole thing together. So Millie and May don't really know how their people came to live here. No one does, not even their wise and gentle father. On Milliken's 12th birthday, their father takes the two girls on an overnight skate down the trench, a coming-of-age ritual to teach them how to fish the frozen river, how to hunt the wild trench dogs and wander its frigid banks, and how to give proper thanks to their frozen gods, the Colden Ones. It's a trip of a lifetime until the girls push beyond the borders of their humble land and awaken the trench's deadly defender, the snowman. What follows next is an action-packed story of survival, loss, and redemption. So, Jock Art, I'm in. Thank you very much. 
And then the other one is, an, uh, is again a uh, Comixology original. And it comes from the team who did another Comixology original, which got a trade paperback release not too long ago, uh, which was called... Oh, my God, the name just escapes me right now. Afterlift. Oh, that's Afterlift. old age creeping up. Oh, good job, good job. I, I'm still in my 30s, just about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Afterlift, which came from the team of Chip Zdarsky writing and Jason Liu on art. So as well as that, they did another Comixology original, which is getting a trade collection solicited this month, though it is actually an advanced solicit for February. And this is called All Nighter. So welcome to the All Nighter, the only diner in town where you can get a coffee and a meal from sunset to sunrise. The staff are friendly, kind of. Happy to serve you, sometimes, and it would never cross their minds to drink their customers' blood. Alex is bored flipping burgers for strangers all night. It's no way for a vampire to live. But he and his fellow vampires, Joy, Cynthia and Ian, have agreed to blend in a human society. Inspired by superhero movies, one of the few passions in his own life, Alex decides to don a cape and start fighting bad guys. But his decision will have bigger consequences than he realizes for himself and for everyone he wants to protect. From Chip Zdarsky and Jason Liu, the Eisner Award-winning team behind Afterlift, The All-Nighter is a story about found family and a new twist on superheroes. And that is going to collect the first five issues of that. Lovely. So that is pretty much Dark Horse in a nutshell. Uh, We move on from Dark Horse then to Boom. And a title that normally I probably wouldn't highlight. Uh, It's a universe I don't know an awful lot about. But the solicitation, the um, the comparisons, the other titles definitely got me for this. I, I just seem to love a good end of the world post-apocalyptic uh, tale. And this is Buffy the Last Vampire Slayer. This is going to be a four-issue miniseries, kicking off with number one this month. It's written by Casey Gilly and art by Joe Jarrow. Can alone Slayer save what is left of humanity? Buffy Summers is the last Slayer. Now in her 50s, she wages a one-woman fight against the forces of darkness which prey on humanity in the daylight unimpeded thanks to a magical catastrophe that nearly blotted out the sun. The same disaster robbed Buffy of her friends and ended the Slayer line, forcing her into an endless guerrilla war. That is until she stumbles across something she hasn't seen in a long time. Hope, in the form of a prophecy and the young girl who carries it. The multiverse explodes as Casey Gilly and artist Joe Jarrow uh, bring you a dystopian tale of Buffy Summers as you've never seen her before. And then they hit me with the line. For fans of Wonder Woman Dead Earth, Batman Last Night on Earth. <laughs> done and done. Done and done. So, yeah, I think this looks really, really interesting. Again, Buffy's not a world I know an awful lot about, but I would imagine this will be a, a standalone story and almost a what-if, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you could do worse than watch Buffy. You know, it's, I tried, uh, I tried. It's, it's just not for me. I got three well, episodes in and... I think it's just two 90s. And I know I obviously love the 90s and so forth. I think the thing with Buffy is, if I had have watched it when it came out, Buffy did a lot of things first. But because I've now seen things that it did done better, it now seems a bit derivative, if that makes sense. Understood, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, I, I get you. I, I, I mean, you. I, I certainly don't doubt its uh, importance to pop culture and, and, and to the world of television and so forth. But I just find it hard to go back and watch now, so... Uh, I will. I'll leave it at that. But we'll go from one Joss Whedon uh, uh, series that you love to another Joss Whedon series that you love. Yeah, um, and, and 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 moving on to a couple of universes that you're not really uh, embedded in at all. Uh, we've got the Firefly Holiday Special Number One, written by Jeff Jensen, uh, illustrated by Vincenzo Frederici, uh, Jordi Perez, and uh, Fabiana Mascalo. Uh, 
Bah Humbug. It's a Christmas carol, Firefly style. I suppose uh, December tis the season and such. It's the holiday season and Jane's selfish behaviour receives the unwanted attention of three visiting spirits who reveal the hidden past, present and future of Serenity's most miserly crew member. A beloved character returns as the ghost of Firefly past while a fellow crew member guides Jane through the here and now, showing the consequences of his actions in the present. But it's the ghost of Firefly future, Emma Washburn, who reveals the most shocking fate of all. Can Jane turn over a new leaf and avert the disaster headed his way? Celebrate the holiday season with your favourite brown coats in the self-contained special by Emmy and Eisner award-winning writer Jeff Jensen, HBO's Watchmen, Better Angels, A Kate Warren Adventure, and artist Vincenzo Frederighi, Gogo Power Rangers, Jordi Perez, Firefly, and Fabiano Mascolo, Firefly, brand new verse. So bringing together a lot of a lot of talent there for a version of one of my, well, my favourite Christmas story, of course, uh, The Christmas Carol. Um, so that could be uh, interesting. And there's a Daniel Warren Johnson incentive cover there. Well, if anything could bring me in, anything could bring me in. <laughs> um, and then following that straight into the universe of Dune, uh, we have Dune, uh, Whisper of Caledon Seas by uh, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson, illustrated by uh, Jacob Rebelka. Um, it's a 40-pager, and uh, during the, cage, the, the chaos of the legendary Battle of Arakeen, a group of Atreides soldiers get caved in. So while Paul Atreides meets his destiny in battle, Sergeant Veet uses his family's gift of storytelling as a jongler to transport his men from the tomb of their homeworld in Caladan. Can Vit mentally transport them back to the lushness and vast oceans of Caladan and give them the gift, the gift of hope in the darkness? Sort of sounds like another Christmas tale. Um, a wee bit. I think it's a one-shot. Um, and uh, there's a number of, uh, number of incentive covers there as well. One of which um, is absolutely glorious by uh, Christian Ward. That mm -hmm, is a beautiful yeah. cover. But I mean, by then we'll have uh, finally have seen June the movie. That's correct. Yeah, like to uh, think. much anticipated, much anticipated. So very much so. So yeah, so that is pretty much it then in Boom Studio. So moving on from there, I've just got one I want to showcase on Aftershock. Uh, it's it's a. Uh, it's an imprint or a, a publisher I'm loving at the moment, and one of the most recent titles that I loved so much, which will be out in trade just before this one hits, which is its sequel series, was Maniac of New York, which was essentially all about how a serial killer was able to terrorize New York, but it's just a way of life. Like, the police can't stop him, no one can stop him. If you want to live in that district in New York, that's up to you, but just so you know, there's a serial killer around. And uh, the first series was really, really good. You know, the killer is clearly very heavily influenced by um, Friday the 13th, Jason Voorhees, that sort of thing. But this is the sequel series, uh, which is subtitled The Bronx is Burning. Uh, so same creative team, which is always a good thing. So Elliot Callan on writing and Andrea Muti on art. So the bloody saga of Maniac Harry continues. After the tragedy of the death train, Detective Zelda Pettibone and mayoral aide Gina Green have lost the trail of the maniac and the support of the city. Copycats are springing up, tensions are high and traffic is a nightmare. So what happens when your favourite unstoppable mindless killer resurfaces in a Bronx high school? Can Zelda and Gina get there before Maniac Harry adds to his body count? Will the students tear their attention away from their phones long enough to notice there's a serial killer in their halls? Great stuff, straight away. Uh, <laughs> writer Elliot Callan and artist Andrea Moody return for the next chapter of the hit horror satire that's somehow even scarier than the world we actually live in uh, so yeah I, I highly recommend if you've never had a chance to read Maniac of New York I highly recommend getting on it's very very good 
so yes, that's Aftershock. And then we come to the best two pages in the entire previews book. In my opinion, of course. Uh, what I'm talking about here is from AWA Studios. So, of course, it's already a, a publisher that I love. They focus on genre storytelling. They focus on sort of four to six issue miniseries, that kind of thing. And one of them here is a sequel to one of my favorite series so far. And the other one just instantly appeals to the unabashed, unashamed wrestling fan of me. So, they're both from John Lees, who is a Scottish writer. Uh, I first came to uh, enjoy his work through Sync, which is a, a deliciously dark uh, horror title. So what we've got here is Hotel Volume 2, Number 1, and Crimson Cage, Number 1. So Hotel is uh, drawn by Dalibor Talahich, John Lee's, as I say, uh, writing. So dark horror series, five more interconnected stories chronicle another harrowing week at Perro Courts. The mysterious roadside motel where lost souls make their last stand with the demons that haunt them. A family desperate and destitute after being evicted from their home. A struggling artist yearning for inspiration. A lonely bachelor tending to his beloved ailing dog. A brutal motorcycle gang hunting for a runaway initiate. When all these haunted souls check into the Piro courts, who will survive to check out? I'm just a big fan of that. I love anthology horror stuff that all links together. And the first book I thought was, was absolutely brilliant. Hmm. But yeah, this is definitely up there as one of my most anticipated this month. So Crimson Cage, number one. Not only is it Sync writer John Lees, it's Sync artist Alex Cormack. So I'm very excited about this. Double, double, toiling, toiling, rumble. Brace yourself for a no-holds-barred reimagining of Macbeth from the critically acclaimed creators of Sync. New Orleans, 1984. Chuck Frenzy is the main event star of the local Louisiana pro wrestling territory. But yearns for something greater. A faithful encounter with a trio of terrifying beings in the bayou gives Chuck a glimpse of championship glory behind, uh, beyond his wildest dreams, if he is willing to do something terrible to achieve it. Join writer John Lees and artist Alex Cormack for a thrilling new vision of the classic tale of ambition and madness, starting with this special oversized first chapter. Yes, please hook it to my veins. <laughs> yes. Yeah, your wrestling session just gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, so Mark Miller was suggesting that King of Spies might be the uh, goriest, uh, most violent book that you'd read this month, but <laughs> I'm not sure because Albatross Funny Books are releasing Big Man Plans, an extended edition graphic novel by uh, Eric Powell and uh, Tim Weish and uh, art and cover art by Eric Powell. I'm a huge fan of Eric Powell since the, the Hillbilly stuff, but I'm uh, I'm still anticipating the, uh, the uh, 12 toes of whatever you call her, Maggie, the, the, the Ballad of Twelve Toed Maggie, yeah. um, which is still delayed. But it says from uh, uh, from Eric Powell, Eisner Award-winning creator, and Tim Tim Weish, former bricklayer, comes uh, Big Man Plans, an extended edition, uh, an expanded edition, first published in 2015. This brutal crime drama and intriguing mystery shocked readers with its visceral violence and heart-wrenching tragedy. Big Man is a little person who's been brutalized and abused his entire existence, a person born to be life's punching bag, or so it appears. He might just be one of the, he also might just be one of the deadliest killers ever trained by Redacted. He might also be slightly insane, and when someone he loves is wronged, well, even the most marginalized in society can exact revenge if they don't care how they do it. This expanded edition comes with over 30 pages of added story and bonus material content. Uh, mature themes. Mature themes is putting it lightly. Uh, I'm a big fan of Big Man Plans. It is. 
it's probably one of the most sort of bad taste books you'll write but it's not taking itself seriously you know it's it's designed to be you know maybe quite controversial i suppose but it's really interesting there's a there's a two-page ad in the previews book for it and it goes to the tagline yeah it can get worse <laughs> i'm really curious to see how it can get any worse because i think you're right with your intro there when you talk about the most violent book this month big man plans is not for the faint-hearted but it's deliciously dark humor i think it's great so you know and, and with i mean eric Pyle's art is beautiful so that'll be interesting yeah yeah, you don't know what you're in for with that one, Keith, but uh, you, you will enjoy it, believe me. But one thing I do know that you certainly do enjoy, now this is a, a strange one for us to talk about in a way, because unfortunately this comes with the little uh, segue at the end of Note, available only in US and Canada. But we gotta we got to find a way to get ourselves a, a copy of this. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. And it's even more frustrating because Diamond eventually have, have listed it as an essential item. If it's an essential item, let us buy it, pricks. <laughs> well, that's that's a mild version of what I call diamond on a weekly basis. <laughs> exactly. So we're talking about the Bone One Volume. Where do you hear this? One Volume 20th Anniversary Color Slipcase Edition by Jeff Smith. The entire 1,300-plus page Bone Saga is presented in full color. It includes a satin ribbon bookmark and is housed in a deluxe illustrated slipcase with 32 pages of bonus material. Bonus material included in the appendix, the cover gallery of Bone comic uh, comic books and graphic novels, a new essay by cartoonist Jeff Smith called 20 Years of Bone and an Illustrated 20-Year Timeline. I want that. I just want that. <laughs> um, that'll be 1,344 pages of colour goodness. The one-volume edition that uh, we both own is black and white, of course, which was the way that Bone was originally released. Um, and then later it was it was coloured. As per what's current, what's currently happening with the uh, with the Walking Dead, and was released, I believe, only in trade. Um, so a one volume color edition would be phenomenal. Not only one color edition, but a slipcase edition, Keith. Come a on, this case. this appeals to my absolute, you know, obsession as well. So with a satin ribbon bookmark, Alan, a I'm satin a, ribbon bookmark. What more did eat diamond? You know, why why are they not letting us buy this? I have to find a way to find that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Bone is is another one of those sort of, you know, we we talk about it often. Where obviously there's such history to comics and such diversity to comics. There's always gaps in your reading of like absolute classics. That when you you chat with other you know people who love the industry, they'll always be aghast that you haven't read something. And I think maybe Bone was that slightly for me. You know, obviously one of your absolute favorites. And yeah, I picked up the the one volume edition, and it probably took me about a week to read it, if even. It's just it's a <laughs> real page turner. Uh, yeah, very yeah. very good storytelling, and uh, I believe being is it an animated series they're doing on Netflix? I think. Yeah, I mean it's been talked about on and off. I'm not sure where they've landed on it, but uh, I mean I just want to see that that one scene, you know, where where Bone jumps onto that tiny little branch and goes, "Those rat creatures will never follow me down here." <laughs> the next issue, they're hanging from the tiny little branch. Stupid, stupid rat creatures. <laughs> yeah, great book. What is it you've always described it as? Is it uh, Mickey Mouse meets Lord of the Rings? Bugs Bunny meets Lord of the Bugs Rings. Bunny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we'll 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 try and find a way to get that somehow imported over here anyway. But uh, yeah, if you've never read Bone, definitely do something about that. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, just a couple of small ones then, just to finish off with. So one from Source Point Press that caught my eye. Roddy will be so proud of me uh, picking out such a uh, a smaller indie label. 
but this sounds great. Uh, this is a title called Blood on Sunset. So a brand new number one, uh, written by Mark Dana and pencils and inks by Arjuna Susini. It's June 20th, 1947. Former cop Clint Braddock is drinking at a bar on Sunset Boulevard when he gets a call from his ex-girlfriend, Beverly. Bugsy Siegel's just been murdered and she found the body. She's terrified and needs his help. Fast. Braddock arrives to find the aftermath of a violent, sadistic murder. Not your typical mob hit. It almost looks like the work of eaters. Amidst the carnage, Braddock finds evidence that someone may be trying to pin the murder on him. Braddock is part eater, after all. And he spent years keeping his true nature hidden. But it looks like someone knows what he is and is using it to implicate him in the biggest crime to hit Los Angeles in decades. Now, the seat of power in the criminal underworld is up for grabs and rumours of a vampire crime syndicate emerging as major players look disturbingly plausible. As Braddock is pulled deeper into the hunt for Siegel's killer, he'll find he's either the ideal ally for the vampire cause or the perfect weapon to stop it. It all just depends on where his loyalty lies. I mean, vampires meets 1940s Hollywood meets noir. I'm in. Yep, hard to beat, hard to beat. Um... And a last one from Titan Comics is uh, something I know very little. In fact, very little would be strong. Something I know nothing about. Uh, the first issue of four of Cowboy Bebop, uh, which is, uh, interestingly, a comic adaption based on the Netflix adaption of the original anime. Um, an original story set in the year 2071, the bounty hunter crew of the spaceship Bebop uh, chase an ex-gang member who holds a vest which gives the wearer unlimited luck. New Netflix series starring John Cho from Star Trek, Mustafa Shakir from Luke Cage, and Daniela Pineda from uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Um, so four issues. Uh, Stanley Artjer Malau cover A, um, and the uh, animated or the sorry the live action TV series arrives in Netflix on November the nineteenth. Yeah, Cowboy Bebop's one of the coolest uh, animes of all time it literally just exudes cool uh and i'm actually looking forward to the adaptation the the more i see of it i'm i'm often wary of anime or manga adaptations to live action by a western creative team because obviously anime is so deeply rooted in eastern mythology and so forth so I was slightly wary of this, but they recently released a uh, they released the credit sequence for it, and they've literally recreated it, but in live action to the same music. So mm. uh, I think it's in good hands. So here's hoping anyway. But yeah, I'm I'm curious about this. I'll I'll jump on board. You know, I, I love a good art germ cover, so they've got me with issue one at the very least. Uh, I did find it funny that there's a, a connecting cover option, and there's five issues for a four issue miniseries. But the only way you get the fifth one is if you buy the one to four exclusive pack cover, which is really weird to me. But aside from that, but uh, yeah, that will pretty much do it for the October previews of books. So again, this is uh, there's far more than what we went through there and there. There's there's definitely something for everyone. Again, the the books are in store at all times. So you to come in and have a little peruse through. Uh, these orders will be due, I believe, by around the twentieth of October. So plenty of time to get your orders in. Uh, or even if you know orders have passed by them, we'll still always be able to to top up a little bit further down the line. But as ever, just the earliest, the earlier we know, the better. So you can always let us know in store, drop us a message on Facebook, or drop us an email or anything like that, and we can get titles added to your pull list. So that is going to do it for a exciting looking December. Yep, yeah, that was uh, that was great fun. There's uh, plenty up there that I'm that I'm I'm gonna pick up i'm trying to be a little more discerning uh with my my pull list uh now being 
an individual with a mortgage. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but that's counterbalanced as an individual who no longer lives in a one-bedroom apartment and will be living in a four-bedroom house and therefore has more space. That's the one. So that's it's the one. And and it will probably have an exclusive comic room. Yeah, well, I was I was saying I'm trying to be a little I'm trying to be a little more discerning, uh, trying being the arbiter of word. If if so much good stuff would stop coming out, it would make it a lot easier. That's the thing; these horrible companies just keep producing this great content for us to uh, to pick up. So, oh, damn them! They, I tell you, bastards. Anyway. <laughs> shouldn't be swearing that's disgraceful anyway that's going to do it for us tonight anyway guys i hope you enjoyed this hope it, it proves useful for you and maybe highlights a few titles that uh, maybe you weren't too aware of so uh we will be back very soon for uh, another catch-up reviews pod and we may also have a, a sneaky little interview pod in there as well so keep an eye on the podcast as ever and there will be new stuff coming soon so thanks for listening so i've been alan taylor and this has been keith miller you can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1 and I'm Ascanison00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.